So in verse 21, uh, we had gone through, and what happened was, this is, the, this is the letter to the church of Thyatira, and that's back in verse 18. And Jesus Christ is commending them that they're, that they're keeping the service and the faith and the patience and the works, and he's given, but then he, he kind of rebukes them there in verse 20, and he says, uh, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, and it was against this woman that suffers that woman Jezebel, and we went through a study on the, on the woman Jezebel and what she was like. She was a prophetess of Baal, and we're seeing how uh, the Catholic Church is tied uh, to Baal worship, and Baal worship is, is just a, a form of the Catholic Church has been going on for thousands of years, and the, the Catholic Church and their some of the stuff, the weird stuff you see in the Catholic Church as far as worshiping Mary as the Queen of Heaven and worshiping idols and some, the way they dress, the way they're doing things, it all is nothing new. It's been going on for about 3,500 years, and it goes back to the worship of Baal. And that's that prophetess Jezebel. It's that feminine spirit you see running through the churches today. as a real feminine spirit. And uh, it says there in verse 21, she said, I gave her space, talking about Jezebel, to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Verse 22, and Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So that adultery there is a, not, it's not a physical adultery. It's a spiritual adultery. You can commit spiritual adultery with the Lord. The Lord's a jealous God. And uh, what that means is that you can, uh, you can be, you can be a, a bride of Christ and part of the bride of Christ, but then you can cheat on Jesus Christ by going to other religions and uh, worshiping other gods, and that would, be, that would be spiritual adultery. And he said, I'll, I'll throw her into great tribulation. Notice it says, verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed. That's where you get that saying, you know, you made that bed, now you got to lie in it. You made the bed, lie in the bed you made, and stuff, all that, those sayings. That's where some of that stuff comes from right out of our King James Bible. Now look at verse, uh, verse 23. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now that verse should kind of wake you up this morning. <laughs> he says, I'm going to give every one of you according to your works. So we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to have to answer for what we've done and not done for the Lord Jesus Christ in this flesh. Now our salvation is intact, but we will answer for the works we've done. But he says there in verse 23, And I will kill her children, that's the children of Jezebel, with death. That's a strange way to say that. You're going to kill them with death. Well, that's what death is, is to die, right? That's a weird way to say it. But it's not so weird when you see that, I will kill her children with death up here on the transparency. I will kill her children with death. What that's referring to is right around that time, right after this church period, where you had the great black death, uh, the great bubonic plague, the plague of the black death was uh, swept through Europe. Right about this time, right after, right at this time, a little after this time, it swept through. And it, called, it was called the Black Death. Y'all remember reading about that when you're in history class? Well, it's interesting that Jesus Christ says, "I will kill her children with death," and they called that the Black Death. And this is right about the time when every, uh, when the church was going into apostasy. Thanks to the Catholic Church, you still had Bible believers. You had the Huguenots. You had the Monetists, you had the Paulicians, you, you had people who believed just like me and you believe this morning. The problem was the Catholic Church was in control. It, remember what it was. We, we studied this. The Catholic Church is what? It was set up as a church state. In other words, it was a, it was a government that ran the religion, and they were tied together. That's what America is all against. 
America is, a, is for separation of church and state. In other words, the government doesn't tell you how to worship or who to worship or when to worship. That's what that was set up for. That's why we have such liberty in America for our religious beliefs. You can be a Muslim, you can be a Christian, you can be a Buddhist, you can be a Satanist, you can be a nothingness, an atheist, you can be an agnostic. You have that right in America to believe what you want to believe and worship how you want to worship. If you want to worship a bumblebee or a hummingbird, you know, go to it in America, amen? Well, that comes from us running and our, our forefathers running from a, from a religious system that was set up and tied to the government. So that's what, that's what you had going on with the Catholic Church. And Jesus Christ says, I will kill her children with death. And I believe this is a prophecy. I believe right there in verse 23, that's a prophecy of the bubonic plague, what they call the Black Death. And it's the world's most devastating plague, is what Professor Dorsey Armstrong wrote from Purdue University. Now, I killed her children with death. And it spread, the spread of the Black Death started around 1300, and it started right in here, and it just spread out, spread all over Europe, went over and even into Asia, down in here, you can see where it spread. And it's, these areas here, if you look at this little, these little areas, the blue areas, it says areas that was no plague or mortality, what was happening, and this is interesting to note, and I, uh, is that uh, the Jews were not affected by the Black Plague, they were very, there was very little effect of the Black Plague on the Jews. So th there was a lot of rumors spread by the Catholic Church and about some other people that the Black Plague was the Jews trying to kill everybody out. <laughs> that they created the Black Plague trying to kill everybody out. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that goes on today. Y'all laugh about that, but that's exactly what is going on today. It's a Jew's fault that America's in the shape it's in. It's a Jew's fault of Germany going into World War II. It's a Jew's, that's what, not, that's what Hitler did. It's a Jew's fault we're in the situation we're in. They're always blaming God's people. Guys, I'm here to tell you the reason why the bubonic plague, the Black Death, did not touch the Jews as much as it touched everybody else is a simple reason. The Jews follow God's laws. And what does God's laws tell you? Wash your hands, live a clean life. There's a cleanliness there. God had made those, those laws as a cleanliness law. The Jews are known to be a very clean people. That's why they multiplied like rabbits. And the Egypt didn't like them. And Egypt tried to kill them out. Because they couldn't kill them out. And that's, what, that's one of the reasons why I believe, personally, the Jews weren't affected by this plague. Number one reason was, is because they're God's chosen people and they got a blessing on them. And number two, God had taught them through their Levitical law how to be clean. That's where we get this idea of cleanliness is next to godliness. Y'all have heard that saying? It comes from that stuff. Uh, here's another chart. You can see where it started here at about 1340 in Sicily, and then it moves up to Venice, Central Italy, Paris, England, London, just keeps on going. So it started right here, and you can see, it's kind of, see how it kind of moves out. It started right here. What's right, what's, what's right in here? That's the centralized Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> That's where Jezebel was at right there. That's where Jezebel was at. What, what, the, what Jesus Christ is, Christ is calling Jezebel, committing fornication, idolatry. Remember that in verse 20, idolatry? That, that's what all that was. It started right there and it just spread out. Now this bubonic plague, this black death, killed between 25 to 50% of Europe's population. They have no idea how many, they think maybe half of Europe's population was killed. That'd be 75 to 200 million people were killed by the black death. Jesus Christ says, I will kill her children with death. Notice that's Jesus Christ saying that. So when the Lord gets tired of you, he can just wipe you out at any moment. 
You need to keep that in mind. The Lord is a gracious God. He's a loving God. But He also can get sick of you and knock you off. He holds your breath of life in you. So you need to respect Him and honor Him for being God. And that's, of course, of Jesus Christ. That black death, it was, how was that spread? It was spread by fleas that were attached to carried by rats. That's how the, uh, the black death was spread. So interesting, a lot of stuff you read in history, you didn't know it was tied to, to uh, the, the Bible, but it was. It is. It's tied to the Bible. Okay, back in our Bible, Revelation chapter 2, verse uh, 24. But I say unto you, but, excuse me, but unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, that's the doctrine of Jezebel, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. So Christ is saying, Jesus Christ is saying, there's some of y'all that don't know this doctrine, are not following Jezebel. That's that Catholic traditional teachings that the Catholic, a lot of the Catholic Church has. It says, I'm not going to throw you, I'm not going to kill you, I'm not, you're going to get away with it. But look, at which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. Guys, there's a depth of Satan that we forget about. There's a depth to Satan. Sin is a, there's a depth to sin. And a lot of times we don't see how deep somebody can get into the depths of Satan or how deep somebody can get into sin until we see it, read about it, or hear about it through the news media. You hear about somebody killing and mutilating somebody and doing this over and over again. You're like, how could somebody do that? Well, that's somebody who's fell into the depths of Satan. That's somebody who's fell into the depths of sin. And you think, well, I would never do that. I could never do that. Don't kid yourself. If you allow sin to run in your life, there's a chance, and there's a real good chance, you could fall into the depths of Satan. Amen. When I, I go up and do that, uh, like in Gatesville, when I went to that maximum security prison, I talked to those guys. Those guys are no different than me and you. For sure no different than me and Joker. The only difference is some of them got caught when we didn't. And it's just, that, that's what happens. They get into, get into the depths of Satan. So there is a depth to Satan you can fall into. Let me point out this morning on Easter Sunday that, day, that Satan is a real being. Yes. That Satan is a real being. And just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could walk in this back door right now and come and sit on that back pew. Satan, and that's where, his, that's where Satan's operation is. Satan's operation is not in, the, not in the bars, not in the whorehouses. Satan's operation is in the churches. It's in a religious system. That's how Satan loves to... Work. He loves to work in the religious system because Satan wants to get worship like God. That's why you see him in these religious systems. Verse 25, But that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh, verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. So he says there, Keepeth my works unto the end. So you're seeing how we're getting to a tribulation passage at the end of the each church period, Jesus Christ references what we would call a, tri doctrinally, doctrinally references a tribulation passage. Because we, we don't have to keep our works until the end. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ and received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're saved and you're kept by the power of God and you're not working to stay saved. So what you have going on here is in the tribulation period, there's a salvation by works and great, there's a salvation by works and, uh, and, and faith. There's a faith and works system going on in the tribulation period that's after the church is raptured out. And we'll get into that. Because if you're in the, if you're in the, if you're in the tribulation period, you're in the uh, book of Revelation, and you're reading where you take the mark of the beast, well, at that time, the church is raptured out. If, those, if anybody takes that mark of the beast, the Bible says you will be sent to hell. 
taking that mark. And we'll get into that. So that doesn't apply to anybody underneath the sound of my voice. Not right now. Now, if, if we get raptured out of here and tomorrow the tribulation period starts and you're not saved, that's what you're going to go through. But if you're a Christian, you're not. Now, let me ask you this, guys. Verse 26, and he that overcometh. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. What's the verse to show you that you have already overcome? Does it, if they don't, don't say it out loud, but there's a verse I've given you more than once in here. And I've given you this quiz more than once. There's a verse that says that you've already overcame as a Christian. Now, raise your hand if you think you know where that verse is at. Brother, brother. Some of y'all say, okay, somebody's saying, okay, that's okay. Some of y'all not able to make Sunday school every Sunday, and I understand that. Who, where is that verse at? Carolyn, do you know where it's at? No, ma'am. It's not in Ephesians. No, ma'am. All right, everybody failed the test. Unless Brother Alvin, you know where it's at? No, no. Then we're talking about overcoming. You got to overcome. See, doesn't that bother you? <laughs> Amen? Doesn't that bother you? Because you haven't, you, you overcome as a work. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Just turn to the left a little bit. Guys, y'all got to remember this verse. I'm not trying to uh, hammer you or step on your toes, but y'all remember this verse. It's very important. Verses, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. <laughs> Carolyn says she has it underlined in her Bible. The way you do it, guys, if you, get, you get, need to get you a Bible. If you're really going to get serious about studying the Word of God, get you a Bible that's got a pretty good size margin reference. See that's kind of empty space right there? And what you can do is on the side of Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, put on the side, at the side, just write in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. So when Brother Keegan asks you a quiz about it, you'll say, I know that. <laughs> you'll be able to answer it. You need to be able to answer that. Look at verse 4, for, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ is overcome. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, you've already overcame. You've overcame by your faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> So what I'm, what I'm trying to point out to you back in Revelation chapter 2, trying to point out to you, this is a tribulation passage. You've got to rightly divide the Word of God. You've got to get this stuff divided out, or it will mess you up, and you'll become a Jehovah's Witness. This is how the Jehovah's Witness, they get into this stuff, and they don't know how to divide it up along with other things, and they get messed up in the Word of God, and it will lead you down some rabbit trail. What you've got to do is you've got to say, okay, doctrinally, back in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, doctrinally, I've already overcome and I don't have to work until the end. So this mu he must be talking to somebody else. You see, how, you see how to study your Bible. That's how you study your Bible. And it, 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 I'm telling you, if you'll hang with me and you, you'll stick with me, I'll show you how it all lines up. When you, when you rightly divide this stuff out, it lines up perfectly. If you don't rightly divide it up, you'll be saying, okay, I think I'm, I'm seeing one verse that's saying I'm saved by grace. Here's another verse saying I've got to overcome. Here's another verse that says I don't have to keep it to the end. Here's another verse that says I've got to overcome to the end. Because God's not talking to the same, Jesus is not talking to the same person. He's talking to two different groups of people. These are tribulation saints at the end of verse 26. So Revelation 2, verse 26. 
uh, I, uh, I, cometh to end to whom? To him. Okay, let's read the whole verse. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. We want to have power over the nations. Verse 27, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now, what's that rule then with the rod of iron? That's that, that's that promise of the millennial kingdom where Jesus Christ is going to rule, the, rule, and, rule and reign the world for a thousand years at the, at the throne in Jerusalem. That's that rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers. Shivers is an old English for splinters. Even as I, have rece- even as I received of my father. Verse 28. Now, verse 27, let me, before we go on and finish up this chapter, verse 27 is telling you that those that overcome, those that overcome, those that do the works unto the end, they're going to get to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. That is a stipulation put on me and you. We're not all, everybody in here, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're promised a place in heaven, but you're not promised a place to rule and reign with Jesus Christ on this earth during the millennial kingdom. There's a thousand-year period where Jesus is ruling. And if you, if you suffer with Jesus Christ, and you, there's some stipulations you can do with, for Jesus Christ, then he'll let you rule and reign with him. If you don't do anything for him, you don't get to rule and reign. Now, that's that thousand-year period we're talking about, the millennial kingdom. Then after that is what you think of when you think of heaven. That's Revelation 21, Revelation 22. But before that, there's a thousand-year period where Jesus is physically sitting on a throne in Jerusalem, ruling the world with a rod of iron, verse 27. And he's saying there, I'll let you rule and reign with me. Now, you're only allowed to rule and reign with him when you're doing certain things for him. Everybody in here understand that? Okay, amen. Okay, I don't know that some of this might be new to some of y'all, but that's what he's, what he's talking about there. He's talking about ruling and reigning with a rod of iron. You, you, there's stipulation. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, look at Luke chapter 19. Don't turn there this morning, but go home and read Luke chapter 19. And he talks about he's got ten people. He's, he's got one guy. He's letting he, one guy rule over ten cities. He's letting one guy rule over five cities. And the one guy that did nothing for him, he doesn't let him rule over no cities. That guy's still in the kingdom, but he doesn't get to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. That's what, he, that's what that's referring to, and that's in Luke chapter 19. Write that down if you want to go home and read it. It'll help you understand more what I'm talking about. Look at verse 28. And I'll give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. All right, we're supposed to listen to what the Lord's saying to us. But back in verse 28, he says, I'll give unto him, give him the morning star. Who's the morning star? Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So he's saying, I'll give you Jesus Christ. I'll give you myself. He's saying the bright and morning star. Now, I'm going to close real quick this morning. And then we'll close Sunday school out. Because I I know there's going to be some visitors come in. I don't want to have all this stuff set up. Here's, I'm going to show you the reason, one of the reasons why I don't use the NIV. There's a lot of reasons I don't use the NIV. I used to use the NIV. I used to study out of a New King James. I used to study out of a, a New American Standard Bible. I used to have all these different versions. I didn't see any problem with it. And then I started seeing problems, and this is what led me to being a King James guy. And this is one of the reasons I don't use the NIV. Because if you turn to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, and you, you can turn there or you can look at it on the transparency. Your Bible's going to say, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken 
the nations. And those verses in there in Isaiah chapter 14 are talking about the fall of Satan, the fall of Lucifer, and he falls down. And when he falls down, it talks about uh, he's going to be falling down into the pit. He's going to be brought down the side, from the sides of the north. All these prophecies about Lucifer falling down and being destroyed and being put in a pit like in Revelation chapter 20. All these are prophecies of that. And your King James Bible is going to say Lucifer. This is one of the reasons why I don't use an NIV. Good morning, Pat's in, Gary. This is the reason why I don't, one of the reasons why I don't use an NIV. Because an NIV, and some of these other Bible versions just do the same thing, but specifically you find an NIV. In the same verse, they say, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. So what they're saying is they replace Lucifer with morning star in an NIV. Why is that a problem? Well, that's a problem because Jesus Christ is the morning star. <laughs> that's a big problem. <laughs> and when you see that in your, and if you're using an NIV, that's a big problem because let me tell you, if you, I don't, I don't, I think I have an NIV here somewhere, but if in an NIV in Revelation twenty two sixteen it calls Jesus Christ the morning star. So you have in the NIV, you have in Isaiah 14 was obviously a, a, a reference of somebody falling and laid down and being cast down to the earth. It's set, calling him the morning star. In Revelation 22, 16, it says that's Jesus. So you have a problem there. You have a big time problem there. The Bible translated it as Lucifer. What's Lucifer? Capital L. That's a title. That's, Lucifer is lucent. These lights are lucent. Lucent, Lucifer, Lucent. Lucifer just simply means light bearer. Light bearer or light bringer. He's a bringer of light or light bearer. So he's called Lucifer or light bearer, light bringer there. And they translated it morning star. That's bad translation. <laughs> and what, if, you go on, if you Google this up, and some people try to defend the NIV. They, they do that all day long. They try to defend it, and they say, well, in the original Hebrew, it, it can mean morning star. It can mean shining one. But see, the, what, what, they don't, what I want you all to know is in the Hebrew, just like in the English, a Hebrew word can have multiple meanings. Okay, just like the English word has multiple meanings. And it's real strong in the Hebrew language, real strong in the Greek language. So you can't just go and say, okay, one translation is shining one. But you know what another meaning for that Hebrew word is? Light bringer. So what you what you got to pick one or the other. And the NIV decided to pick this one. It says morning star. That the meaning is morning star. Well, that don't line up because that means that's Jesus Christ. That's the title of Jesus Christ. The translation should be Lucifer. That's why, I, and you don't have to know any Hebrew to know this. You don't have to know any Hebrew or Greek, guys. I'm, I, I tell you this all the time. You do not have to know Hebrew. You do not have to know Greek. All you have to know is English. And open up that English Bible, open up this English Bible, care, compare one to the other, and you've got, a, you, you got a difference there. See the difference? I'm not trying to hammer you over the head with this stuff. I want you to do what you want to do, and, and, because what? We're Baptists, right? We can agree to disagree, amen? That's why we're Baptists. So if you don't agree with me, that's fine. We're all going to have to stand before the Lord and answer for it. I'll have to answer for what I'm teaching. But the point is, there is, you can't say that they're all the same. You can't say all the translations are the same. I had a Jehovah's Witness do that to me, and I hammered him. I said, they're not all the same. That's why you got a New World Translation. And he got real red in the face. He just tried to say that to try to get me to come into his little cult. 
The truth is the translations aren't the same. That's not the same. So you got Lucifer. That's the reason why I don't use the NIV. <laughs> One of the reasons why. All right, in closing, anybody got any questions? I have this thing. We were talking about the plague. Yeah, Black Death. How about the AIDS? Is that a plague too? Yeah, it's a plague, brother. It's a plague. And some people think it's, you know, brought, you know, it's brought by the Lord. It's, a, it's a brought against a lifestyle. You're not going to have... When it comes to AIDS and a lot of the venereal diseases, people who are in a married relationship are not getting those diseases. It's people who are having sex outside of marriage that are not in a monogamous relationship. They're getting those diseases. And as, as a matter of fact, AIDS was originally known as GRIDS. GRIDS. Which, which was an acronym, which was G-R-I-D-S, Gay-Related Immune Deficiency System. Gay-Related Immune, immune, immune Deficiency System. Uh, so I got it all screwed up, but you got the idea. <laughs> Gay's in there. But they made it more politically correct. They changed it to AIDS. But it is a homosexual disease. That was rampant through the homosexual community. Anybody else have any other questions that aren't so... Uh... How about back in the 20s when they had that plague? Back in the 20s? Yeah, brother. The, the, look, the Lord's behind all this stuff. <laughs> if that's what you're asking, if you're asking, is the Lord behind all this stuff? Oh, yeah, he's definitely behind this stuff. The Lord's behind the rain coming. The Lord's behind the rain not coming. The Lord's behind the snow coming and the snow not coming. The Lord's behind us getting healthy and not being healthy. The Lord's behind all that. He's God. He doesn't have to allow that stuff to happen, but he does. And he says in Exodus, he says, listen, if you'll do these commandments, I tell you, I will not bring these diseases on you that I brought on the Egyptians. That's his words, not mine. If you'll do these commandments, I will not bring these diseases on you I brought on the Egyptians. So the Egyptians had a lot of diseases. And that's why I pointed that out about the Black Death is that the reason why the Jews weren't getting this disease is God wasn't bringing it on them. Amen. Now, why was he not bringing them on them? I think it's because they're chosen, and two, they're following his commandments. But it's a fact. It's a scientific fact. The Jews will not get in the, the black, they're not being affected by black death like the rest of the Europe population. That's a fact, scientifically fact. Yeah. That's a sad thing, brother. You got uh, to wonder what the Lord's doing, you know. But I can't answer for the Lord what he's doing. He's got a plan. Anybody else have a question? Yes, sir. I believe they're Christian, brother. I think this Jew, Jew, you know, it's a Jew and Gentile mixed believers in the church. It's just obvious that when you get to the end of each church letter, that there's a tribulation slant to each one of them which would be the end of a church period, the end of the church period right before Jesus Christ comes back. Right. So you see, just like you get the end of the New Testament, you got all of Paul's writings, and then you get to Hebrew and James, and there's something going on there. Hebrew and James is different than Romans and Galatians. You got the same doctrine, but there's some d d different doctrine in there. So you got you to start dividing it up. You got to say, okay, this is not written to Christians. This is more of a, like James, to the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what it says at the very beginning of James. So you know, okay, we got Jews. They're from, coming from a Jewish slant. So. And that's just to help you divide it. Paul says, rightly divide the word of truth. A workman that need not be ashamed. 
Study to show thyself approved. I've mixed that verse up, but it's something like that. You got it, yeah. Anybody else? Does that answer your question, Brother Marowitz? Pretty close. I know Brother Marowitz has studied through Hebrews real deep recently, so there's a lot of that stuff we were talking about outside of the church that you got you to get that stuff right. Anybody else have any questions? That it? All right, well, next week we'll start in Revelation 3. We're getting real close to starting Revelation. Once we get to Revelation 4, it's all what y'all think about when it comes to, comes to the book of Revelation. It's angels and fire and blood and the lamb and seals and horsemen and antichrist. All that stuff y'all think about, that's Revelation 4 all the way up. So y'all just hang tight. Right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us, taking care of us, Father. And let's pray that... Your Holy Spirit's the one that led us and guided us and taught us this morning, Lord God. And if I said anything that's displeasing you, Father, let's, as it fall on deaf ears. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that you shed for us on the cross of Calvary, Lord God. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.